This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. Make sure that you check out Marking Out over at MarkingOut.com. Also, give a follow on Instagram at MarkingOut11 and on Twitter at MarkingOut. And also on threads, marking on 11. And give us a like over on Facebook. And make sure that if you are listening to our podcast, that you are subscribing subscribing, and downloading over on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you may be listening to podcasts. And give us a five-star rating. Buy a t-shirt, prowrestlingtees.com slash marking out. Follow me, David, PT, DPT. You can follow Brandon at BTTG161. And also make sure that you're following Chris at Chris Sweendog on Twitter and CM Sweeney85 over on Instagram. This week, I am here with Brandon. And Chris, you have to make sure that you go check out his interview with the Major World Order. That is right. They sat down with WTW Superstar Fallen Angel, a.k.a. Chris, and he speaks about everything with WTW, the Childhood Federation that was started with Matt Cardona, and so much more about his creativity in regards to working in music, film, television, production, market out, and so much more. Make sure you check out the Major World Order. They got a patreon.com slash major, uh, major world order. Check them out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you're listening to podcasts. It is a great interview. We love Chris. We support Chris. And that means that we love and support Major World Order. But that being said, let's get the show on the road. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome as always. How about yourself? Myself, I am doing awesome and I appreciate <laughs> you asking me. It's really kind of you. How really was your week? You. My week was good. My week was really good. Um, I feel like the week, it always goes by way too quickly. But, of course, we had Yom Kippur, uh, which we observed, uh, observed. And that fasting is always difficult. But coming out of the fast, we had some white fish, Ugh. which was delicious. You don't like whitefish? I don't like fish. I like tuna salad and I like gefilte fish. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I've always I've always enjoyed whitefish. And I think uh after Yom Kippur, like the break fast, it always seems like a trend for me, like to do whitefish and bagels. I wonder if whitefish is cheaper than tuna. Because I feel like sometimes, like back in the day, the the tuna from Bagel stores used to be like super fishy, and it's like this isn't this. There's no way this is tuna. I think that whitefish is less expensive than tuna. It might in be. regards to like, I, yeah, I think in regards to everything, I think whitefish is isn't uh, the most pricey of fishes out there, and everything like that. That's a hot topic with uh, sushi restaurants in New York, and I probably all over oh, yeah? where they they order 
they they give different fishes than what people actually order, which is beyond screwed up. Really? Where did you? Is this like a? Where did you see this? I saw it on the news. I don't know how long ago, but oh man, talk about being busted. That would be awful because, like, I know for me, I really wouldn't know the difference. I'm always that person when I order the sushi combination or whatever. I never order just a roll. I usually order, like, a, a sushi platter where it's, like, the chef's uh, choices and everything. And I would have no clue. I'm always like, all right, what's this? What's this? They're, like, red snapper. That's tuna. That's this and that. If it wasn't for that, I would have no clue at all. But I feel like when you're going out to dinner, you're expecting to at least get what you're ordering. Well, That's not cool. Not cool. Do you like sushi? Brother, <laughs> I just got through telling you but, I don't eat fish. <laughs> I mean, like, do you like, well, I mean, like, would you ever go out to a sushi place and get, like, tempura or something like that or no? Like, tempura what? Vegetables? Yeah. I mean, I've been to the all-you-can-eat Asian places and I've gotten tempura vegetables, yeah. Are you a fan of those or no? It's it's just like I don't think there's a reason to have deep fried vegetables like that. All right, all right. Most of the and time, it's like super oily. And you wouldn't try sushi tuna? No, absolutely like sushi, not. Sushi not a tuna. chance. Not a chance. Even even though oh, here's right. a here's a sushi without fish, and then you taste it. There's seaweed and it. it's disgusting. I I don't know. I saw them make the tuna fish from Subway in a reel. And it just looks disgusting. Doesn't that come in a bag? Yeah. Yeah, it comes in a bag. And then they like, it looks like they add water to it or add some liquid to it. to, And then they just mash it up and everything. And then they just really serve it. I think the local bagel cafes or whatever they're called uh, add sugar. I th- if I'm like, I could sugar. be, I could be wrong. But my That's friend, a... my friend pointed out the other the other week when he was eating their chicken salad, uh-huh. and he said it's sweet. And I'm like, I never like thought about that, but it 100 percent is. And I the... I made tuna salad this week. I added sugar, and it was somewhat close. I feel like sometimes there is a sweetness to some of those text, uh, some of those tastes. Um, but I never thought about them adding sugar to that mixture, but. That would be very interesting, you know. That would be interesting. Um, otherwise, besides that, not too much. Uh, really took it very easy this weekend, from what I remember. <laughs> uh, took it very easy, very tired. But what about you? What did you do? Well, did you I grill, made, cook. I, no, I made baked ziti with meat sauce. That could be seen on our Instagram and our TikTok at Martin House. Yes. Yeah, make sure you go check that out. Give us a like and uh, share it. The quality of the video is much better on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you could see it on our reels as well. Yeah. Uh, I also watched you can't, Tangled. You can't see it reels well, though. Okay. <laughs> I watched Tangled for the first time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure you've never seen that, right? Tangled? No. I've always wanted I like. I, I've never not wanted to see it, though. Like it's it's one of the it's really popular. It was just one of those Disney movies that came out way later than I would have been watching like new princess yeah. movies. Uh huh. Because it was 2010, but I figured I would should probably watch it, and mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good. 
They have uh, like a super tiny section in the Magic Kingdom devoted to Tangled, so I recognized some of the things in the movie. Uh huh. But it's just like a rest area in Magic Kingdom, so they just have like the lantern lights and mm-hmm. really not much. And the the oh, what is the guy's name? Pascal, the uh-huh. little uh, the little Newt lizard whatever he is they have oh yeah yeah yeah. i think you could yeah you could look for like several different versions of him throughout the the area he's like uh camouflaged in Mm -hmm. uh and then i feel like we're not cool unless we talk about taylor swift and travis kelsey um i think that (laughs) we have to talk about Uh, they caused a huge buzz at the the chiefs game on sunday everyone is leaning into it the nfl changed their bio to nfl taylor's version (laughs) part of me thinks it's like a super bowl thing but it's rumored that they're dating so and unfortunately it's not a super bowl thing it should be a super bowl thing but unfortunately it's going to usher and not taylor swift um, apparently Kelsey's jerseys shot up a huge amount. 400%. They sold records, the, the, not records, but, uh, the millions of people tuning in was even more. Yeah. And then, I mean, the big thing now is the rumor that she's going to be showing up to MetLife this weekend to, as the chiefs take on the jets. And I think sources today, when I was listening to the news, was saying that she is actually going to be in the house at MetLife Stadium this weekend. And that shot up the Jets' <laughs> ticket sales more than – I forgot what they said. It was like the highest selling tickets that the Jets have seen in a very, very long time. It's Purely so on goofy. speculation that Taylor Swift is going to be there. I don't understand. Like, I, I feel <laughs> like there's people who are not football fans who are going to be watching football. And it's like, you don't have to. I put out a whole TikTok video about that. And ironically, because I didn't know that the the Kansas City Chiefs were going to be playing the Jets. I included New York Jets in the TikTok. So I thought that was pretty funny. There you go. You, you had it unintentionally <laughs> covered. Yeah. You know, I, I think... I mean, nothing for nothing, but I kind of want to tune in just to see if she's going to be there now. Um, have you? And now it's like a, I guess, I don't know, TikTok trend or whatever, where girlfriends are going to their boyfriends and telling them uh, that tr- Taylor Swift made Travis Kelsey I've famous. I've seen both sides of it. Oh, really? Yeah. I've only seen the other, the other side, the... Taylor making Travis. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen both sides of that. That's so that's so funny, but hey, as long as they're happy and everything like that, I mean, Travis Kelsey has been a f- huge fan of Taylor Swift for a long time. It's so it's kind of creepy also, like uh companies Taylor Swift was photographed with uh she had one like chicken bite. Mhm. With ketchup and what seemed like could be ranch on her plate. So, Heinz already sells cranch, which is ketchup ranch. I can't imagine that tastes good, but (laughs) it's a thing and people eat it. So, they're releasing limited edition bottles that say ketchup and seemingly ranch or something like that. Uh Uh-huh. I saw Disney get in on it. Um, Empire State Building got in on it. Universal so Studios got in on it. The Mets got in on it. So many people are, are getting in on these 
Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey rumors. Um, yeah, it's huge. You know, everybody's getting in on it, and I mean, they 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 left together. All the custom, which looked like a scene from Greece, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so all these like merch items are coming out now in in uh, like combo Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey gimmicks. Do we need a marking out T-shirt featuring it? I don't think so. I don't know. Me neither. Man, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, hey, if people are going to buy it, I mean, I'm all for it. But, yeah, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, that's the the hot item now. But it, and, and it's so weird because there was – somebody said there was more coverage for Taylor Swift than there was the Denver Broncos. Uh-huh. That's no uh-huh. That's just it. Like, that's – that's apparently oh, I a thought, fact. No. I thought that there's like I thought there was more to that. No, there's apparently a fact. More people cared about Taylor Swift making thumbs up and going crazy for uh for Travis Kelsey sitting next to his mom and everything. I mean, let's face it, it's it's Taylor Mania, you know? We uh, are both huge fans of Taylor Swift and Me I couldn't care that... less about the NFL though. What's that? I couldn't care less about the NFL, I'm saying. Yeah, no, I have no... Yeah, what's that? What's the NFL? Who cares oh, about okay. that? Yeah, it's all about... <laughs> no, no, don't care about that stuff, you know? Outside of that, though, I also got some uh, Crumbs Bake Shop cupcakes for the first time in years. Huh, how was it? I just I discovered that they sell them online and also in some stores, but the ones that were in the stores aren't the same size as the ones that, like used to actually be sold in the crumb stores. Huh. So I'm not sure if the ones online are, but these are just like tiny normal size cupcakes that I don't think are worth the price because although the cake flavor and everything is still like the same good taste, it's just not fresh. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's to be expected because you're literally selling, I don't know how long it's been sitting there. Yeah. So, but the pack that I got was a strawberry crumb cake, cotton candy, and then a birthday cake one. That sounds pretty um, good. All three flavors I haven't had from crumbs, and the birthday cake is, I, I didn't taste birthday cake. It was just literally like vanilla frosting with a bunch of sprinkles on it. Mm-hmm. Cotton candy doesn't taste like cotton candy, but it was good, and uh, strawberry crumb uh-huh. cake was also good. Because Crumb cake is delicious. I've never had an actual strawberry crumb cake. It's always been just normal. I've had apple crumb. I've had, maybe I've had blueberry crumb too, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I, I like those. Uh, I wish they were better. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But that's you know, really but... all I did this week. Huge news before we talk about Monday yeah. Night Raw. The signing of Jade Cargill. It was announced on Tuesday that she signed a multi-year deal uh, contract with WWE. She uh, she began training at the Performance Center. Pictures of that came out. So I mean, that's good. I that's totally huge news. I mean, and it, it's been touted all over the place, and they're really blowing it up a ton. Um, you had the rumors out there that she was jumping ship, and now we have confirmation that she jumped ship. And I'm very excited. I don't think for jump this. ship is the right terminology for that no i don't know it doesn't let that makes it sound like aew is not like <laughs> it sounds like aew sinking i mean it's not sinking but she did jump ship she went from one 
team to the other. I, I just, yeah, I feel like that's just not the right thing to say, but yeah, I, but you, you, you get yeah, what I, I mean. What and, you're 100% I mean, you're, saying, yeah, you're, you are not a fan of her. I am a fan of her. No, no, I'm not a fan of her, her actions in the ring. She's, she's very much so <laughs> green. So, okay. She has the superstar look and everything. So once she gets training yeah. in the performance center, hopefully she does improve. And I, I, mean, I saw somebody put out a tweet. Oh, well, what kind of training is Jade going to get from Norman Smiley and Matt Bloom that she wouldn't get from Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, they said. And it's like, shut up. Like, that's it's so stupid. goofy that to, to put something out there like that. Yeah, that's so stupid. I mean, like, I know Chris is really happy about it and everything because he feels that she's going, she is the next huge women's star that WWE is going to have. Um, and I, I, I definitely see that too. I feel like her, her, uh, and he, he went on to say that he, he felt that they didn't have that sort of, a a level right now when it comes to women's wrestling and a next bright star. And I think that Cargill is definitely going to be bringing in so much potential. She had, like you said, she has the look in ring. I'm a fan, but I also do recognize she could improve. I think that she is, she has what it takes on the mic. She's very talented. And uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited. She's I'm excited going for to see... one line that's got a curse word in it. Yeah. But I think so. that she's going to. I think she'll definitely be impressive in a WWE. Is Fingers she are crossed. Doing, is she doing NXT or straight main roster? Nobody we knows. Know. No, nobody knows. All she right. was previously well, part of a tryout in 2019, and then it was rumored that she was the one that turned it down. That's interesting, you know. And then she went to AEW. AEW. It, like with what Matt Cardona says, how WWE was his, uh, what's the line? WWE was my, I can't think of what he says, but whatever he says is the same thing for her with AEW. Like, uh, I don't want to say a stepping stone. No, like I, I, I can't, I'm blanking on what he says. <laughs> All right. You know, I think that I think that Jade Cargill getting her start with AEW may have been beneficial because it did expose her to a lot of uh, a lot of things in pro wrestling that maybe she wasn't going to get from the start if she did go with WWE, such as like staying in the Performance Center for X Y Z amount of time, doing the NXT run. You know, she really did I, get I, blown up yeah, with AEW, and she does. She comes in with a bigger name. Yeah. So. But and then I, I feel like yeah, she's I done don't... interviews where it's like, oh, I don't want to be in that like cookie cutter system of WWE, and now you're in the the quote unquote cookie cutter system of WWE. But I, I think well, th it'll definitely help her. Well, that's the thing. I feel like there's many people that do say that, and at the end of the day, I've said this from the very beginning. At the end of the day, it's WWE. No yeah, matter that's what, what and then you the can't... interview that she said, it was like, uh, why are you coming to WWE? Or whatever she wants exposure or something. Yeah. Worldwide, every that's there's that's the thing. It's and of course the AEW fans were like, "How dare she? She was always garbage." Blah blah blah. And it's come on. Yeah, W. Every every single wrestler, I don't care what they say in interviews. Most of them, if they're given the opportunity to really shine in WWE, they're gonna go to WWE. These people grew up watch. Most of them grew up watching WWE. 
You know, most of them, this is their dream. You know, even if it's for a short stint, nobody's going to turn it down flat out. Is has there been any other? I can't think right now. Has there any? Has there ever been another AEW wrestler besides Cody Rhodes? Because but he started WWE. Has there ever been an AEW jump shit? I don't want to say that again. But <laughs> switching over to switching over to go to WWE. Has there been another person? Blair Davenport was in AEW. Okay. That's true. Not that they were signed. Thea Hale was did stuff for AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure a bunch of people who were on Dark, but nobody to the level of like Jade Cargill, right? No. So she's really the biggest one outside of like Cody Rhodes, but you know, so that's who knows. I mean, from what I've been reading, it seems like Cody Rhodes really uh, influenced her decision as well a little bit too, because which, she looks which... up to him and everything, and she's. Which people think, oh, uh-huh. Ricky Starks could be next. That I have seen as well because I think he is, from what I was seeing, is that his contract's coming up soon too, and I guess WWE's interested about um, with him. I mean, yeah. So we'll have to see, but it's pro wrestling. We are loving it. We are big fans of it, and we can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, and speaking but, of Cody Rhodes, let's move yeah, over let's... to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. He opened the show to address the Jey Uso situation and how someone will be drafted to SmackDown from that trade. We don't know who it is yet, at the time of recording at least, but Cody said that something tells him that they're not in the third inning anymore, which is a reference that Paul Heyman made when he was doing the the media scrum about the whole Bloodline storyline. And that, that was a something that me and you and everybody else, really too, I think Chris and everybody were big fans of. Just that illusion that the bloodline, this entire storyline, it's not even close to being concluded. Like right. there's still so much to be done. So I like that Cody Rhodes threw back to that. But he called the Judgment Day toxic and then they interrupted. And I feel like we probably say it every single week, but that heat for Dominic is just unmatched. It's mm-hmm. just, it's fantastic. So it's really great to have Dominic go out there anytime he goes to speak. And it's just like the, the same level of, of booze back at him. So mm-hmm. I thought that was good. Cody questioned what happens when Rhea Ripley returns and they no longer have their titles. And then they go to jump Cody. Jay Uso stepped up from the crowd to back them up and they back up at first, but then they're like, oh, it's two on three. We could do this. Then Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn showed up and they left and JD McDonough showed up. He brought chairs and Damian Priest wasn't happy and they didn't all go at once. So for me, that's totally on Damian Priest. That's not on JD McDonough. So... And Damian Priest was furious at JD later on and kicked him out of their I, locker room for that. I like that. Priest who didn't go. Yeah, Priest didn't want to get involved at all. He was on the ramp yelling at them, don't go, don't go. And then you hear him verbally when they get into the ring. He's like, he like yells out like like a, a grunt, like the, damn, I have to actually, I actually think he said, damn, and ran down to the ring. And then what happened? He was the one that ended up being the, I don't want to say the yeah. sole survivor, 
but he because he was far from a survivor. He was the sole one in the ring getting a beatdown from every single person in that ring. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, Cody Rhodes taking a, a chair shot across the back. Um, you know, he got the brunt of the beatdown because of that judgment error. And speaking of Survivor, I think this looks like War Games. Oh. I I would be totally down for that. How many do we... Is it even? Yeah, four on four. If it's not five Priest, on five? If Priest accepts the JD McDonough. It doesn't have hmm, to be five on five. But it's not five on five. On it five? could be any... It could be anything. Hmm. I would definitely have they. I'm, I'll have to look it up if they ever extended it. But next up, you had Bronson Reed take on and defeat Otis in a battle of the behemoths. Yeah, they went hit for hit until they both knocked each other down. Uh, Bronson Reed hit a Samoan drop on Otis. And really, I just wish this match was longer. I agree. I On paper, I was really excited for this matchup to take place. And I think that um, I was really happy with how it happened. And every time I do see... Now, whenever I see Bronson Reed and Otis in the ring, the only people that come to mind to me... Excuse me. Is the natural disasters. Like Earthquake. Like, just because it's a similar physiques. Um, and... I just keep on thinking about how great the natural disasters really were, you know? And I think that Otis and Bronson Reed, what was if they did team at some point? Nah. No? You're you're like beyond Mark booking right now. I am totally Mark booking. I, I am fighting that. I'm like becoming a natural disasters Mark. <laughs> Match after that, we saw Tommaso Ciampa pick up the victory over Ludwig Kaiser. Uh, I was... Hoping this match was more of Champa teaching Kaiser a lesson, but Kaiser, I think, had the upper hand a lot in this. And we saw Giovanni Vinci get involved, and Champa took him out with a knee. The referee was distracted by Vinci being over there. And Kaiser, he's like over that. He dumped Vinci out of the ring. And that caused a distraction for Champa to go and get that victory. Mm -hmm. And then later on, we saw Otis was disappointed with his loss against uh, Bronson Reed. Chad Gable tried to cheer him up, and Kaiser walked in to speak to Maxine, I guess, to try and like hit on her again, as if he didn't just lose his match as well. And Gable told. Kaiser to go tell Gunther be like I'm still coming for the Intercontinental Championship and then we saw Gunther yelling at Giovanni Vinci and Kaiser ends up telling him what Chad Gable told him and Gunther yelled at him as well and he's Mm -hmm. like he's your responsibility now so now everything that Gunther's been focused on between disciplining Vinci and Kaiser at the same time it's now Kaiser's Uh, responsibility to be disciplining Giovanni Vinci. Yeah. I mean, he even, he physically kicked him out of the ring. Well, yeah. Kaiser. I mean, you you don't really see that too often where a tag team partner will actually like use their boot and like kick them out of the ring while they're, they're laying there 
hurt. You don't see that too often. Right. But earlier in the night, we saw Becky Lynch ask Tegan Knox what the deal was with last week. She saw her at the curtain. She had somebody like Tegan Knox in mind to answer the open challenge. And Tegan Knox said that she saw Natalia, and because Natalia is the veteran, she let her go. And Becky Lynch said that after she retains at No Mercy, she wants her to be next in line to challenge Becky Lynch. So Tegan Knox asked Adam Pierce if she can get the winner of that match between Tiffany Stratton and Becky Lynch. And Natalia walked in and asked for a rematch with Becky Lynch. And Tegan told her to step aside, which sets up a match between the two of them where Tegan Knox picked up the victory over Natalia. And I think it's great to see yeah. Tegan Knox back on TV, and it seems like this is going to be going somewhere. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, very happy that Tegan Knox is back on TV. It's been so long, and you know, she's one of the wrestlers where you keep on rooting for. Kind of like I guess I'll say Chelsea Green as well, where you know what their potential is. You keep on rooting for them, rooting for them, and then unfortunately something happens that derails them. I mean, Tegan Knox. every time that we keep on cheering, cheering, unfortunately, an injury takes place. Well, not every time. She's just been sitting off doing nothing right now. I thought that she got hurt again. I don't think so. She's just been... Well, just, it's good to see that... She's been doing I, main event or whatever. Well, it's good to see that she's getting the... Um, the push onto Monday Night Raw, like television. You know, Becky especially Lynch. taking a, vic- a victory over Natty. Yeah, and Becky Lynch was on commentary for this match. I I was such a fan of the crowd cheering for both Natty and Tegan Knox in this. And much like that Otis match, I wish that this match was longer. Mm -hmm. Because I I very much so enjoyed that. I really think Monday Night Raw needs more matches like Tegan Knox and Natalya on Mm -hmm. TV every week. And Adam Pearce granted Tegan Knox that that match. So next week on Monday night raw, if Tiffany Stratton wins, if Becky Lynch wins, she's getting an NXT title shot. So that's going to be really nice, you know, but next up you had Seth Rollins hit the ring and gets on the mic to, uh, pretty much talk trash about Nakamura for their last man standing matchup. I like that. He asked the crowd a few questions and have them answer by singing his, theme song yeah but it led to him calling nakamura out again and he said that if he doesn't accept this time he's absolutely just taking the opportunity away and then a video promo aired from nakamura where he accepted it and turned it into a last man standing match Mm -hmm. so i think this segment did take a bit too long but overall i guess it needed to be done yeah it it needed to be done do you I do you think that this storyline has been losing any steam or no? I don't think it's been losing steam, but it's it's uh hopefully over at at the event. Yeah. I, I don't want to see it extend much further than that, and I'm I could definitely see Nakamura still coming out as the winner after the last times. Ricochet you know? was interviewed and he was asked about the uh, attack from last week and when he'll be back in the ring. And he said, it doesn't matter if Nakamura wins at Fastlane. I have unfinished business with him. 
So either way, it seems like Seth and Nakamura would be done and Ricochet would then be going into still facing Nakamura. Mm-hmm. After that, though, we saw Dominic pick up the victory over Dragon Lee to retain the North American Championship. Uh, outstanding match. Yeah. This was so this, good. This matchup like, was awesome. I like that Michael Cole brought up Dragon Lee being from a second generation, being a second generation superstar, and his dad being La Bestia. I think that was cool, and I wonder if like Roosh and Drillistico weren't in AEW, if they would have also been mentioned. But probably, I mean, we can't know that because they are in AEW. Yeah. But that uh, that one sequence from Dragon Lee that Michael Cole said some uh, is something that you'd see in in 2K. I thought was a really dope sequence, and I'm really kind of surprised that Dominic retained. I am so I'm not surprised that Dominic retained. But what I am surprised at is that this is Dominic's first clean victory uh, since joining Judgment Day in a singles matchup. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, a little, little factoid right there. And Dragon Lee, this was his debut on Raw? I think so. Or no? Well, debut match, I guess. Yeah, the debut only reason match why on I'm, I was surprised Raw. of it was because of everything that they threw away with Ali. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm happy that the fans were, like, super into this. They were, like, I feel like if an NXT match went on TV, it sometimes would be like, hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. not. But they were so like hardcore into this. They were chanting, "This is awesome," and it was really cool to see somebody like Dragon Lee that the fans may not even know go out there and and get that respect from the crowd. And this was probably one of Dominic's best matches so far. Absolutely, you know. So that, the that improvement hopefully shuts up people about Dominic as well. Yeah, Dominic has been improving a ton, and I feel like. I feel like since joining Judgment Day, Dominic has become more confident in his in-ring abilities and mic skills since joining Judgment Day. Um, so to see this matchup, it's really awesome. But next up you had Nia Jax. Nia Jax. Uh, what'd she do? Well, they recapped the past two weeks. They showed her walking to the ring and... Uh, uh, I thought it was funny that Tazawa did the thing where he like dipped again when he saw her. But Michael Cole interviewed her and asked her why. And she said it's because she's the most dominant in WWE. And they, she was like, they thought it was Rhea Ripley. I squashed her. They thought it was Shayna Baszler. I squashed her. Raquel Rodriguez, Zoe Stark, Piper Niven, Chelsea Green. I squashed them all. Zoe Stark interrupted this, got right in her face and... She dared Nia Jax to to do something when she's not turned away. Attack me face to face. Don't do it from behind. Nia Jax attacked her. Zoe Stark held her own. It was broken up, but once again, people trash Nia Jax for this. They this this promo I thought was like perfectly spelled out. I thought this was Yeah, we like, got the People are like, oh, this sucks. We got everything about her intentions. This is the worst promo ever. Get new writers. And it's like, she literally goes out there and says, she's asked why she attacked the champion, why she attacked everyone else last week. Yeah, why why, why is she back? Yeah, why is she back? What is her intentions? 
everything that you've been questioning, the whys and the why nows, and she just told you the proper response is because she's the most dominant and she dominated everybody. And like it made complete sense what she was saying. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It led to Nia Jax picking up the victory over Zoe Stark. Yeah. Which I didn't think Zoe would be winning this, but I'm glad she was still able to show off in it. So, yeah. But yeah, Nia Jax is back and she's there because she is the most dominant in WWE. I mean, and you have heel versus heel in this matchup. You know? I don't know. I think Zoe Stark yeah. saw that that change. I don't know. To me, Zoe Stark is still a heel. Nah, after what happened with Trish, not really. Yeah, I still, even with everything with Trish, I don't know. I still consider her a heel. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know. We had Miz TV with Drew McIntyre as the guest, and Miz asked him about leaving Jey Uso to be attacked by the Judgment Day last week, and Miz, I guess, really said that Drew was right to do what he did. And then asked how it felt to be upstaged by Cody. And then New Day interrupted and questioned Drew McIntyre and what he did last week or what he didn't do last week. And Drew was like, everyone always expects me to make the save. You were both backstage. You didn't do anything. You didn't show up. And Miz kept talking. So Drew ends up bopping him in the face and called for Kofi Kingston down to the ring. And and it sets up McIntyre. Picking up the victory over Drew, uh, Kofi Kingston. And they had a, a pretty good match. Yeah, I agree. They had a really a really good match. And what happened after was well, the most during. interesting thing. It was during. Oh, yeah. Ivar and Valhalla showed up and Ivar took Xavier Woods out. Kofi Kingston went yeah. to go help him, but McIntyre hits him with the Claymore. And that goes back to what Drew McIntyre said earlier. Everyone expects him to make the save, but that's not on him. And Drew McIntyre walked off as Ivar went and took Kofi Kingston out as well. Yeah, no attempt at making the save or anything like that. And then they were interviewed afterwards and Byron asked if they cared to explain. And Ivar said that New Day took Eric out and Valhalla said eye for an eye. So we have everything there. We have all our answers as to why that's been going on. Yeah. We saw the main event, the Judgment Day, picking up the victory over Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to retain the tag team championships. Kevin Owens and Sami were interviewed about coming to the aid of Jey Uso and Cody earlier. And they said that it doesn't have anything to do with Jey Uso. It doesn't have anything to do with Cody Rhodes. It has to do with them coming up in the business together and winning titles and taking back what is rightfully theirs. So the segment starts with the four of them brawling. The match starts. And I thought this was a good main event. I agree with you. This it's, I didn't even think war games, but since you mentioned it, this entire, everything that's been taking place with them totally yells that to me now. I did think that Kevin Owens and Sammy were going to win the titles, though, for like split seconds. When Kevin Owens hit that frog splash, uh-huh. I didn't realize there were still 10 minutes left, and I thought he had it won. And then wow. Sammy, Sammy breaking the pin after the coup de grace, I thought that was a good spot. 
Dominic showed up and uh, that distracted Sami Zayn, but Sami was able to escape that without getting hurt by Damian Priest. It was Finn Balor who put the stop to it, but behind the referee's back, Dominic attacked Sami Zayn and Sami still kicked out. And I'm like, if he's kicking out of that, then maybe we are like going to get Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens walking out as champions. Yeah. Dominic ran up on the, the apron to argue with the referee. Jay Uso ran down to attack. Then JD McDonough ran down and attacked Jay and, and Dominic joined in. Cody ran down to make the save. That was all broken up, but Kevin Owens hit Finn Balor with that stunner and Sammy hit Damian Priest with the Huluva kick. And it's like, okay, hello. This seems like they're 100% winning. And then JD McDonough clocked Sammy Zayn with the title. Yeah. And I I thought Sami I mean, Zayn 100% had that. But Jay Uso and Cody ran back down afterwards, and it was a big brawl. And like I said, war games. I mean, I do like that. Who's the person that clocked uh, Sami Zayn to allow Damian Priest to get to victory? Yeah. McDonough. You have I, pretty much full... You have almost a closure in a way. I mean, in the start of Monday Night Raw, you had who's the reason why Damian Priest was put in the position of being beat down by four other wrestlers? McDonough. And then at the end of the Monday Night Raw, who's the reason why Damian Priest is getting is the person picking up a pin? McDonough. Raw you know? really flew by, and I thought this was a, a pretty good episode of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I, I agree. Moving over to NXT, it opened up with Butch picking up the victory over Joe Coffey to win the Global Heritage Invitational. Uh, Wolfgang hit Butch when the referee was distracted with Mark Coffey. But I liked when Butch cut Joe off from the double jump crossbody with an elbow. I thought that was a, a nasty spot from Butch. We saw Butch hit Gallus with the moonsault to the outside. And they got up on the apron, so the referee kicks them from ringside. And overall, it was it was nice seeing Butch versus Joe Coffey. I thought this was a very good way to open up NXT. I think it could have been a bit more hard-hitting, but we still did get some of those good, like, hard-hitting spots, like that elbow stop. Yeah, I agree. So, very well done, and that just pushes Butch to go into... No mercy facing Noam Dar. Yeah. We saw Which is going to be awesome. We saw Trick Williams pick up the victory over Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy, I think, was super fired up in this. But if you blinked, I feel like you could have missed absolutely everything in this match. Um, this was yeah. very, very quick. Yeah. And then Kelly Kincaid interviewed Trick Williams about Carmelo Hayes versus Ilya Dragunov. And he's like, I'm not betting against Carmelo. And now Trick wants his own title. So I feel like this could have been like a number one contender match. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, I guess we'll talk about it later. Yeah, definitely. Next Baron up you Corbin. had yeah, Baron Corbin pick up the victory over Josh Briggs. I feel like they've been going at it for so long now. I don't know so long. I feel like it was just last it just, week. Really? It feels like it's been like I think it was just a last while. Week. I don't know. It just feels like it's just elongated for me, even if it was just one week. 
But Baron Corbin pick up the victory with the end of days. And I like um, this match because Briggs matches Baron Corbin's height. Like, yeah. obviously he was losing, but still, I, I enjoyed that match. Yeah. Corbin cut a promo afterwards on Braun Breaker, and Breaker showed up. Uh, popped Corbin in the face. That led to a pull-apart. That continued even later on in the night, and it actually ended the show. They were brawling in the parking lot, which Jade Cargill got super lucky that she was not jumped or injured out there when she arrived to the performance center. <laughs> she got very lucky because that's a, that's a running thing in in that company. But yeah, Rob she's Breaker, been she's been uh, having bad bad luck in that regard. So we are very happy that she was able to make it actually into the performance uh, center instead of being jumped out there. They demolished that car too. They did damage to that car. I, I thought the door was going to come off with that right a spear or whatever. I I I really like the yeah. And then uh, to actually end the show, the very last thing that we saw on NXT television this week was Braun Breaker spearing Baron Corbin through Shawn Michaels' cheap ass office. <laughs> yeah. Like how? Like come on, they're like obviously that I was know. a fake wall or fake office in general. Yeah, they they broke right through there. Um, it did look really cool, though. Yeah, you know it did. It did look really cool. But the the match that took place after the um, the Corbin match was Lucian Price and Bronco Nima, now known as Out the Mud OTM, which is a huge bam roasted to those dumb marks on the internet who thought that was going to be related to Jade Cargill. Mm-hmm. when the 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 name jada i forget what the name was something jada something came out and they're like oh wow that's a terrible name for jade cargill jade's <laughs> name seemingly picked otm Bruh. out the mud jade cargill's new catchphrase no wrong 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 they got you there so lucian price bronco nema now known as out the mud picked up the victory over hank and tank we saw Scripts get involved in it, which led to the end of the match. And I think they have a nice finisher, but we still have not seen enough from these two to establish themselves. So. Yeah, we'll have to see uh, what comes next. We saw throughout the night, the family, they were at an Italian restaurant to host the tag teams who would maybe be facing them. We saw Los Lotharios, we saw the Creeds, and then finally OTM were involved. Which this really, really made me want Italian food. And, uh, <laughs> and I was all out of baked ziti, so that's unfortunate. But the four teams there argued, and uh, everyone was like, we should be next, we should be next, we should be next. And I was hoping that they would set up a, like a four-way ladder match at No Mercy. But it just sets up a, a normal fatal four-way. Yeah, nothing so, too crazy with it. Yeah, nah. You know, but next up you had Eddie Thorpe pick up the victory over Dijak in the strap match. Uh, this match it was back and forth. Eddie Thorpe uh, picked up the victory after that elbow drop. But I think Dijak controlled the, the majority of this, though. Yeah, it seemed like Dijak was in control most of it, but he they beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, I like the the cactus clothesline that they did when Dijak still had like a, a chokehold on Eddie. And then he choke slammed uh-huh. Thorpe onto the apron. 
Yeah. I like that. Dijak was whipping uh, Eddie Thorpe in front of his family, including his six-year-old niece, which Vic Joseph was disgusted at. And Booker T was like, man, you should have left her at home. And I thought that was so funny. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. But Eddie Thorpe came back and hit that elbow drop, like you said, to pick up the victory. But Dijak took him out afterwards. Yeah. Dijak so, totally. I didn't. I didn't expect Dijak to go after him again. No, but it's. I think that also needed to be done. Him going after him? Yeah, because how could you? Like, I feel like we've been waiting for this big boom from Dijak, and it's just like. No, yeah, that's happened. true. Yeah, but yeah, that's very true. Earlier in the night, though, we saw Chase, you, uh, Andre Chase, and Duke Hudson walking backstage, talking about Thea Hale. JC interrupted and introduced the new Thea, which Chase wasn't really happy at first and then like smiled through it and complimented her. But it led to Thea Hale getting a new theme, new gear, more attitude where she picked up the victory over Danny Palmer. And we saw before that even happened, Blair Davenport interrupted commentary to trash talk Gigi Dolan, who she attacked earlier in the night. I guess Gigi was supposed to face Blair, but she wasn't cleared after that attack. Yeah, after that attack, no way. But uh, Booker T compared Thea Hale's transformation to Hannah Montana and Wrecking Ball Miley. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was like really funny because I did not expect to hear Hannah Montana mentioned on NXT at all. Nah, didn't have that on my bingo card. Which is really weird because I tweeted that out and immediately as soon as I sent it, Vic Joseph yeah. said, I didn't have that on my bingo card. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> but I, I really like Danny Palmer's moveset. There was just absolutely no way that Thea wasn't winning this. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah, Thea then, had to, especially with the new uh, attitude. Yeah, the new attitude. Yeah. She and, had to. And win. off camera. Uh, Kalani Jordan wasn't happy with what Blair Davenport did, so she laid out a challenge to Blair Davenport, and that match gets set up for no mercy. Um, But earlier in the night, Dominic was interviewed, and he thought he was free on Sunday, which I thought was like a hilarious thing to include. It's like, oh, I'm... Or is it Saturday, I mean? Where it's like, oh, I don't have to wrestle. I don't have an opponent. Shawn Michaels yeah. ends up announcing a triple threat match between Dragon Lee, Axiom, and Tyler Bate, which I wish that they thought of something like more creative than this because Dragon Lee just had his shot on Monday Night Raw and lost. And Tyler Bate and Axiom were both part of the Heritage Invitational. So it's an unfortunate situation that, that they were put in with Mustafa Ali. Mm-hmm. So, but there's like literally nobody else. And then... Trick went to Shawn Michaels' office and he got added to it, which it didn't seem like Mello cared about at first, I guess. Okay. But Trick Williams, and like I said before, I wish they they were just doing that number one contender match where it could have just been Trick versus Joe Gacy. Here, Trick picks up the victory over Dragon Lee, Tyler Bate, and Axiom, becomes number one contender, but he won kind of by mistake. Yeah. This match was dope. I liked the the three-way submission that they were doing, which I think we've seen recently, but I forget when. Yeah, it, it, it looked familiar to me, but I couldn't really tell you where I saw it. I liked the double bookend spot from Trick Williams, the, the Canadian destroyer that Axiom did after breaking up the pin. 
I think was cool because the pin breakup was like the launch into mm-hmm. the Canadian destroyer, but trick he dragon Lee let, uh, let him uh, dragon Lee hit him with a, a headbutt, and he bumps backwards accidentally headbutting Tyler Bate off the apron and then falls right onto Axiom. So yeah, I like, thought that that was a perfect um, I a perfect like way to goofy. go about it. Oh, you didn't like it? Nah, I just feel like that's goofy. Uh, you're, you're building you know what? Williams as like a contender. Yeah. Like, whoops, I accidentally won. Yeah, now that you bring it up and uh, that we're talking it out, I actually do agree with you. At first, I wasn't, I was okay with it and everything like that. But after talking about it and stuff, that is true that they're trying to build him up into, I guess, another level as to where he was instead of really just sidekick to Carmelo Hayes. So I agree with you. And Dominic didn't care that Trick Williams won. He said that Shawn Michaels doesn't run NXT. He runs NXT. And then we saw Dragon Lee attack Dominic. We saw Trick Williams catch up with Carmelo Hayes and they celebrated. So overall, he does care. And Shawn Michaels, for some reason, makes Dragon Lee the special guest referee. Yeah, I don't know why. (laughs) He just attacked. Dominic, like, how are you going to have him call a match down the middle? That doesn't seem fair at all. (laughs) If I was Dominic, I would really be protesting this. But, you know, something I'm not going to protest at all is that they aired. Wait, wait. Uh Mustafa Ali also tweeted out saying that Trick deserved that. So I think that was pretty cool. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is cool. You know, that he's supporting him. Um, But. Something that was really awesome as well was that they aired a very quick vignette of I don't that doesn't vignette uh vignette 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 it's vignette yeah vignette which we don't Don't actually know if it's if like it's not confirmed but if you know I mean yeah I mean they featured somebody watching an old TV set and it was an old Cincinnati Bengals football game. And then it went into WCW Nitro, it looked uh, like. Saturday night, brother. Saturday night. Um, and for those that know, I mean, Brian Pillman Jr. made his way to WWE. Yeah, if so you didn't know be... that he was signed, you I don't feel like you would have known that it was for him. But once the, the Bengals footage, and of course, if you know, like the whole thing with Cincinnati, yeah. the Bengals... Obviously, WCW. If you know all that, then then you're in the know. Obviously, but exactly as if soon you know, as they showed you... that that football footage, I'm like, my mouth like literally dropped open, and I'm like, <gasps> because I was excited to see Brian Pillman Jr. I was back when he first started, and 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 I saw that very first match. I think it was his first match that he did at Create a Pro. Uh-huh. I saw like a clip of it where I I still think it might have been like a, a a botch or whatever, a mistake. He like. I think he was doing like a, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a, a brain buster, but he like slipped into it. And I thought it was like the coolest move, even if it wasn't meant yeah. to be that. So even from the, the very first like beginnings of his career, I thought it's like a hundred percent. He's like, but he belongs in WWE. He should have a match against Stone Cold. I don't know about that, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Brian Pillman Jr. show up in yeah. NXT. Uh, yeah. and then the, the show ended 
before the the big brawl, we saw a No Mercy contract signing, which uh, they had good back and forth between Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes. And Carmelo Hayes was listing a bunch of guys that Dragunov beat. And he's like, I'm not them. And included Trick Williams on that and kind of stopped like midway through to be like, ooh, like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But uh-huh. Dragunov was way more fired up than Carmelo was. And uh, Melo said that he believes that Dragunov can be champion, but he can't beat him. And that just, that cements the match. Yeah. Moving over to NXT No Mercy taking place in Bakersfield, California at the Mechanics Bank Arena. Uh, we'll start Blair Davenport picking up the victory over Kalani Jordan or the vice versa. Oh. I think it's got to be Blair Davenport. I'm saying Blair Davenport. Yeah, yeah. I think Blair Davenport's definitely going to pick up the victory in this one. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to the... I don't want to do that one. Let's go on to, I guess we might as well, British round rules match for the NXT Heritage Cup. Noam Dar, the champion, taking on Butch. I'm going to go with Butch. I'm saying Noam Dar. Okay. Also, Tyler Bates going to be in Butch's corner, so we get a little British strong style reunion there. I think that's uh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, for a normal match, Braun Breaker, Baron Corbin, Braun Breaker. I'm going to go with... Uh, I don't want to... It, it, it does have to be Braun Breaker, but I just want to see so much with Baron Corbin too. You know, it's... it's it's. I'll agree with you, Braun Breaker. Fatal 4-Way for the Tag Team Championships. The Family defending the titles against OTM, the Creeds, and Los Lotharios. I need the family to retain, but I wouldn't be disappointed if Los Lotharios walked out with them. So I'm going to say the family. I'm going to so. Um, I'm going to say the Creed brothers. I would love for OTM. I really think that they have a really cool uh, finisher and everything like that. Like they're a powerhouse. I think that the both of them are two wrestlers to watch over time. I'm going to go with Creed Brothers. North American Championship on the line. Dragon Lee serving as a special guest referee. Dirty Dom defending the title against Trick Williams. I think it could I'm be gonna go Dirty Dom. Time. Oh, you're going to go would, I really do want Dominic to win, though, but... I don't know. I'm going Dirty Dom. Yeah, I'll say Dominic as well. All right. We got, uh, let's go for the NXT Championship on the line as Carmelo Hayes defends against Ilya Dragunov. I'm going Ilya. Nah, I'm saying Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo I retains. I can't see Dragunov. Dragunov is too much of a beast. He has so much potential. Like, that guy is going to be doing things. I think Dragunov. I mean, I, I'm not disappointed if he does, so... No, yeah. I, I I mean, same thing. I'm totally fine if Carmelo Hayes' reign continues as well. I mean, I think that the match is going to be awesome. But yeah. Extreme Rules match. NXT Women's Championship on the line. Becky Lynch defending against Tr- Tiffany Stratton. So, Bex. this could be very difficult to call. Becky Lynch, she did accomplish the feat of becoming a, what was it? Um, Not Grand Slam champ. Yeah. 
was it Grand Slam champ, uh, accomplishing the feat of joining the four horse women with getting that NXT Women's Championship, Tiffany Stratton being the pretty much the next up and coming. What are you thinking, Bex? Hundred percent. You know what? I'll go with Becky Lynch too. I'll go with Becky Lynch too. I do want to see her compete against a lot of more, more other people. So that's NXT No Mercy. Moving over to SmackDown. Bloodline opened the show. Uh, I think the first 10 minutes of SmackDown was a complete waste because they just showed footage of what happened. But Paul Heyman said that John Cena is not there yet and AJ Styles was not there because he's in the hospital. And Jimmy took the mic from Paul and said that the reason why John Cena is not there is because he's scared of Jimmy Uso. Then Carl Anderson showed up to brawl with Jimmy and Solo. And he challenged either one of them to get in the ring. And Solo told Jimmy that he better handle it or else. And it led to Jimmy Uso picking up the victory over Carl Anderson. Which was a pretty even match until Solo Sokoa got involved. And distracted the referee. And Jimmy was able to rake the eyes of Carl Anderson. And I think it would have been nice if Anderson won. I understand why he didn't. But. He continued the attack after the match and Solo took him out and Mia Yim ran out, slapped the absolute heck out of Jimmy Uso, slapped him to the ground. I thought that was fantastic. And then later on, Jimmy Uso beat down Ashanti the Adonis for literally no reason. Solo put him through a table. It's just, I guess they're doing whatever they could to make sure John Cena didn't have a partner for Fastlane. But we saw the Grayson Waller effect. We saw Bobby Lashley as the guest. And he said that he thinks it was a mistake to have the Street Profits in his corner or or, or try to recruit the, the Street Profits. And now it's back to the drawing board. Grayson Waller pitched him and Austin Theory. And Lashley was like, nah, I'm good. Which I thought was really funny. But the Street Profits came out and they tried to speak to Bobby Lashley. He didn't want to hear it. He told them to prove it. And then... Grayson Waller brought out Austin Theory for his match, and I thought maybe the the Street Profits would have like turned around and beat down Grayson Waller and Austin Theory, but I guess that wouldn't work in their favor trying to be heels because Grayson Waller and Austin Theory are both heels. So they left. Austin Theory went to uh, face Cameron Grimes and won. Dragon Lee sat ringside for this, so they're really pushing Dragon Lee. I think that's great. And I think it was obvious that Cameron Grimes was going to lose this. But he had impressive moves in this match. He, he was not one-sided. And like the other match, because there's nobody out there to back uh, to back Grayson Waller up out of the match, I guess. Cameron Grimes got distracted. And... That led to the end of the match. We have back-to-back distractions and matches. I don't like that. Austin Theory got in Dragon Lee's face after that, but they were holding Dragon Lee back. We saw Rey Mysterio pick up the victory over Santos Escobar to retain the United States Championship. I like that both of them had interviews before the match. I like that Rey Mysterio brought up watching El Fantasma growing up just as Santos Escobar did with Rey Mysterio. We saw Zelina Zelina 
Vega come out and she sat, uh, stood ringside. Split in the middle, not cheering for, for either one of them more. And Dragon Lee was still ringside for this. But this match, I think, was surprisingly slower than expected. And I enjoyed that. This match, I think, was fantastic. I think it was the best match on SmackDown. I enjoyed every aspect of this. I liked when Santos Escobar did that accordion rack and ran around the ring with it. Escobar sitting up for that frog splash I thought was great. Because right before that, Rey Mysterio goes for a 619, Escobar catches it. Then Ray reverses that, drops him into the 619 and actually connects with it. Goes up for that frog splash and I thought that was going to be it. So Escobar sitting up, I thought that was great. And, and I, was, I was really pulling for Santos Escobar to win this, but I don't mind him losing. And after the, the match, Ray and Santos were talking with each other and the Street Profits jumped them from out of nowhere. And Bobby Lashley came out and clapped it and Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro tried to make the save. Wilde got taken out by like an instinct elbow, I guess, from Lashley and Dragon Lee tried to make the save here and security wouldn't let him. So LWO, after the fact, lays out the challenge to the Profits and and Bobby Lashley at Fastlane. Maybe we're going to see Carlito. Maybe we'll see Dragon Lee in that spot. I think Bad Bunny is a a long shot. They aired a uh, hilarious training video for Elton Prince and his shoulder injury. And the Brawling Brutes watched. They were super confused by it. I thought the whole video was hilarious. Uh, match, the main event was Charlotte Flair picking up the victory over Bailey, And Charlotte spoke beforehand asking Bailey what's happened to her. And mentioned she's like, you used to be a horsewoman. Uh, Now you're just a stepping stone for EO and EO being champion and said that if she wins or when she wins at uh, in this main event, she's going to challenge EO for the championship at Fastlane. And I think this match, I feel like there should have been more to it. We saw EO get involved a little bit behind the referee's back, so most of the matches on SmackDown had outside interference, which I hate. But, um, yeah, I just feel like this match could have been so much more. And now Charlotte, I guess, would be challenging EO, but Bailey got on the microphone and said she can't just challenge EO for the, the title. And they went to go surround the ring to make it sh- to make sure that Charlotte wouldn't make it to Fastlane. And Asuka made the save. And then Asuka yelled and Bailey accepted a triple threat on EO's behalf. And she wasn't so thrilled about that. And I'm going to be super disappointed if EO walks out of Fastlane and she's not champion. Because I don't want Charlotte to win. I don't want EO to lose the title yet. And then to close SmackDown, John Cena came out and he spoke about not having a partner for Fastlane and he went over his options and he said that he's most likely willing to fight 
the bloodline in a two-on-one handicap match if he doesn't find a partner. And the bloodline came out. Jimmy said he's not making it to Fastlane. Kind of seems like they just did that a segment back. But they attack John. Well, John Cena first. Uh, they go to attack John Cena. Cena pops Jimmy off the uh, the ring apron. And then he gets solo up for the attitude adjustment. But Jimmy took him out with a super kick. Just like last week, they beat him down. Then LA Knight finally showed up with a, a huge pop to make the save. And LA Knight signed the contract. Cena uh, oversold that, but I think it was still cool to hear the pop for LA Knight there. So now it's the bloodline versus LA Knight and John Cena at Fastlane. Where that leads to from there, I don't know. Maybe we'll see LA Knight facing Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. I don't know. I can't, uh, I can't think of what that's going to lead to that partnership. But that's SmackDown. Going to take a quick little break right now, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. This is the blue-collar badass, J.D. Drake, and you're listening to Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 660. Going to kick it off with Rampage Grand Slam, two-hour presentation, which I wish they would stop splitting into two-hour recordings. I think... It would be best if it was just one solid recording. I wish they were able to do that. But it opened up with Sting and Darby Allen picking up the victory over Christian and Luchasaurus. Obviously, Sting and Darby Allen were winning this. And of course, they fought outside the ring. We saw Christian almost have Darby Allen beat, but Nick Wayne got up on the apron. Darby took advantage of that. And I think. I think it might be a little goofy that Sting got a cheap victory like that. Wasn't, uh, I feel like he shouldn't have had that. But after that, we saw Hook, Orange, Cassidy, and Chris Statlander pick up the victory over 3.0 and Anna J. Not AS, I guess. Uh, again, this was one of those matches where it was like obvious the faces were winning, but it was a breath of fresh air to see mixed tag action. It's not something that we see in AEW often. And I also feel like Hook shouldn't have been in this. And I feel like they could have had the best friends and Jake Hager or Daniel Garcia added to make it four on four. Jake Hager did get involved. He cheated. Um, Anna Jay had a very nice spin kick in the corner in this match. And it did get super chaotic with like no referee control. But because it was that breath of fresh air, I really, I still enjoyed this match. And I think even though 3.0 lost, I liked it more than their last two matches before this one. After that, we had the Don Callis family where Tony Schiavone was, I guess, completely against them. Which I hate because I feel like it should be even sides perhaps when you're interviewing somebody. But Don Callis brought Sammy Guevara out as the newest member of the family. And Sammy said that he turned on Chris Jericho because Jericho has been holding him back. Jericho ran down and Takeshita showed up. He took uh, Chris Jericho out or Takeshita was already out there, but he took him out of the chair. I think he was already out there. My memory's like completely gone, but 
Uh, Chris Jericho gets attacked by that steel chair, and who makes the save but Kenny Omega? Former uh, longtime feud, I guess, with Chris Jericho. Basically just sets up the family with Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Ibushi at Wrestle Dream. We saw The Righteous pick up the victory over the Hardy Boys, as well as the Best Friends, as well as the Kingdom. And I think I would say I was surprised about this outcome, but I happened to see a tweet on my timeline. I think it was even before the Rampage, before Grand Slam took place, I think, where Dave Meltzer said exactly what this ending was, the outcome of this feud, I guess. It was like straight on, the righteous are going to be on WrestleDream facing MJF and Adam Cole. The match itself I thought was hard to follow. The Kingdom had like a low blow spot where they distracted the referee, but there's no DQs in a match like this, so I didn't understand that. But the finish of this match I thought was great. Jeff Hardy hit that swanton on Chuck and... Vinny, while Jeff was up on the top rope, tagged himself in. Dutch pulled Jeff Hardy out after he hit the swanton. And Vinny hit his own swanton on Chuck and picked up the victory. And the kingdom took out the best friends afterwards with chairs. They aired a a video for the righteous on collision. So I hope... It's hard to say. I hope that people are more invested in this match because of what happens on on Dynamite, which I'll speak about. But hopefully this got people more invested in The Righteous, I'll say. And I think all of these, like, the video should have 100% been done before they even had this victory. Before they had that, that challenge, the tag team challenge, I feel like they should just have had that video air. And then we also saw the Kingdom speak on Collision, which sets up the Kingdom versus Best Friends on this week's Collision. The Acclaim picked up the victory over Dark Order to retain the championships. Sal and Q from the Impractical Jokers were ringside for this, and Sal was wearing a Brody Lee t-shirt, so I thought that was pretty cool. I... Like the spot where Alex Reynolds broke up the scissor leg drop because A, Aubrey wasn't even counting the illegal partners in the ring. So it really does open up anything to happen when you don't actually referee. So Alex doing what he did doesn't really break rules because she's not enforcing rules anyway. But outside of that, I thought it was a fun match. Always great to see Alex and Johnny, and it's always great to see Bowens, Caster. So, and obviously, Evil Uno and Billy Gunn as well, but on a more personal level. Uh, after that, we saw, or not after that, on, on Collision, we saw Dark Order cut a promo, which was, I feel, very similar to one of the original promos that they aired for Dark Order. Like those, like, 
mind washy cult videos. So where that leads, I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm here for it. We saw Julia Hart pick up the victory over Sky Blue, and I think these two worked their asses off in five minutes or so that they were given, and I thought it was very, very well done. And I think the best spot from this whole episode of Rampage, even probably the best spot that I'll I'll speak about from the three shows that I speak about, was Julia Hart doing that spider superplex getting down from the top rope and then, well, first of all, like hanging there and just looking at Sky Blue upside down and then getting down and, and hitting that, that moonsault. I thought that sequence was fantastic. And Julia Hart made Sky Blue tap out pretty much right after that. And she continued the attack. Willow Nightingale made the save and there's just really so much promise with Julia Hart and Sky Blue like if if we didn't see um Brian Danielson versus Ricky Starks on Collision I would have 100% said that Sky Blue versus Julia Hart was the best match on AEW last week we saw Mike Santana pick up the victory over Bronson I don't think somebody like Bronson should have been in this match to lose in such a quick amount of time to Santana. But this goes back to what I was saying a few weeks ago about AEW always putting tag team wrestlers in weird singles matches to the point where it makes like their tag team matches not matter to me. It was good to see Santana wrestling on TV, but maybe... Although he's in a tag team also, maybe throw in somebody like a Serpentico. Someone that wasn't just like built up a little bit recently. But Ortiz showed up afterwards to wave him over. It looked like he was saying, like, bring it to fight. Nothing happened, but Ortiz asked him if he was ready to talk and he ended up walking off. So I'm not... Fully invested in that feud. But the main event of Rampage saw the Elite pick up the victory over the Mogul Embassy to become the new Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions. And the last thing I would have wanted to see was a Ring of Honor title match won by the Elite. But now maybe they'll be off That's probably not even going to happen, though. I was going to say off, like, Dynamite more. Are they... Do they show up to these Ring of Honor tapings? Do they do stuff on on Ring of Honor television? I don't know. Hangman's still going to be there for Swerve. The Young Bucks are still doing stuff at Wrestle Dream. Unrelated, I think, even. I don't think the Young Bucks are even doing anything. They're doing they're they're working for the AEW Tag Team Championships. That's so goofy. What is the point of them being the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships? There's just so many titles there that are meaningless. AEW Collision saw Christian pick up the victory over Luchasaurus and Darby Allen to become the new TNT Champion. We saw Christian 
start the match off by letting Luchasaurus face Darby. Darby, though, he ends up throwing powder at Luchasaurus and then goes like a million miles per hour to take out Luchasaurus to take out Christian. I like that aspect of it. I know Sting was banned from ringside, but what in a triple threat match, a match that has no rules, this has come up a lot of times and it will again come up. What stopped Sting from coming there? What stopped from what stopped Nick Wayne from showing up? I don't I don't get that at all. Nobody's there for Darby's side. But they did a spot where Luchasaurus held the title and Christian made him give it to him. Darby ends up pushing Christian into Luchasaurus. Used the title. Luchasaurus kicks out. Finally, Darby hits a coffin drop. And Christian ends up pinning Luchasaurus. So they've done a really good job at making Luchasaurus look like a complete moron. Over and over again. I would have liked for this segment to end with Luchasaurus doing an electric chair drop on Christian. While while Christian was making him celebrate his victory. But instead it gives us a 2 out of 3 falls match between Darby Allen and, and Christian at WrestleDream. It's like... I, I, Luchasaurus, there's like so much potential and then you do nothing with it. He's looked like an idiot with Jungle Jack. He's looked like an idiot with Christian. Unfortunate. After that, we saw Hook and Rob Van Dam team up against uh, Team 3.0, picking up the victory. RVD singlet was awesome in this match. And I definitely don't think RVD needed to be used here. I think it could have been absolutely anybody else's Hook's tag team partner, but I'm glad it was a tag team match because I was not thrilled with Rob Van Dam's performance the last time in the singles match. But Anna Jay distracted the referee. Jake Hager got in the ring with a, a chair and RVD ends up hitting the Van Daminator, which is dope. Hook ends up choking out Angelo Parker. While Rob Van Dam hits the five-star frog splash to pick up the victory. Again, I don't think this match was needed, but I appreciated Rob Van Dam in tag team action versus singles. After that, Julia Hart picked up the victory over Kiara Hogan. I don't understand having Julia Hart on back-to-back episodes of Rampage and Collision. Like, I don't really feel like this match was necessary. I don't think it really sets anything up like it was already set up by having Willow get misted by Julia earlier on they could have just had that segment instead of this match also but it ended the same way as the match on Rampage where she's locking Kiara Hogan in that submission move after the match and Sky Blue instead of Willow makes a save. And then Brody King laid out a challenge to Chris Statlander for the championship at Wrestle Dream. Julia Hart's undefeated. As much as I don't want to see Chris Statlander lose that championship, she's undefeated. So will Julia Hart win the title? 
And I think it would have also been nice to see if she is going to win the title. I think it would have been nice to see all House of Black as champions together. I think they could have been a dominant stable in AEW. Jay White ends up picking up the victory over Andrade. They did a spot where Juice Robinson put Jay's leg on the rope to break the pin. And I feel like there's no chance in hell the referee didn't see that. I, I Just to me, that's goofy. And then we see Andrade lock in the figure eight. And again, in this, I don't understand it. The guns grab the referee's leg and they're literally distracting him while Juice attacks Andrade. In what world is the referee letting all this happen? I don't understand that. But Jay White ends up hitting the the Blade Runner to pick up the victory off of that. His lifeless body. Andrade's lifeless body. I thought that was a good spot. The referee spot, not so much. But the, the actual end of the match, I thought was good. And uh, does this lead to... LFI, like, fully reuniting? I don't know. After that, FTR picked up the victory over the Work Horsemen to retain the AEW Tag Team Championships. Aussie Open did commentary for this, and it was a quick match, but they packed a lot in it. Like, that moonsault spot from J.D. Drake I thought was great, and the fans were super into this. So... One week, they're chanting, who are you? Maybe rightfully so, because they, they're not used on TV. To chanting, this is awesome. I think they were chanting, this is awesome. If not, they were super into it, though. So, hopefully, nobody's going to be chanting, who are you, the next time J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry are on TV. When we see them next, who knows, but hopefully, people are... are more into it, more knowing of who they are now and their capabilities in the ring. After that, backstage, CJ Perry and Miro spoke and Miro said that she's uh, his temptation and, and her temptation is fame. And she said that he can go take his path, whatever he wants, she'll take her own. And asked him not to lay his hands on any of her future clients. So I guess that means she's sticking around. But she's going to have somebody else as her client. She's not going to manage Miro. Who? I don't know. Main event saw Daniel Bryan. Bryan Danielson pick up the victory over Ricky Starks in a Texas death match. It was... All over the arena at first. It was brutal. And I definitely thought Ricky Starks was going to win this. And there were definitely times where it looked like he was going to win this. The the second to last knee spot from Brian Danielson where he ducked the chair. I didn't like because I felt like the chair shot looked like it was deliberately missed. Like, obviously he was supposed to miss, but I feel like it shouldn't look that way. But fast forward, Brian Danielson ends up wrapping his knee in a chain and uh, hits that knee and picks up the victory. 
And for me, the only real bad part of this match was the commercial breaks. And it will easily go down as one of the better matches in collision history, one of the better matches in AEW history. On Dynamite, Ricky Starks spoke about surviving the match. Brian Danielson didn't take him out. He survived the match. And Wheeler Yuta cuts him off. He apologized for putting his hands on him. And then Starks got in his face and he said, if it happens again, I'll make it the last time you do it. Which triggered Wheeler Yuta and it just sets up a match for them at Wrestle Dream. Moving over to AEW Dynamite, it opened up with Ray Fenix issuing an open challenge. Which we would not have known that it was an open challenge had we not seen... Tony Khan's tweet, if you just scrolled Twitter, if you weren't scrolling Twitter, you wouldn't have seen the tweet in the first place. Tony is, Tony said that, oh, such and such happened, there's an open challenge. And then Double J answered that challenge, which we also would not have known about if we didn't see the other tweet from Tony. But Phoenix picked up the victory over Double J to retain the international championship. And they started by fighting outside the ring before the bell. I did not really get Phoenix putting his hands on Karen. I feel like that shouldn't have happened. But Triple J got involved so many times in this. I I don't understand why Aubrey didn't kick them out from ringside. There was like way too many times that they were getting involved to the point where she even ends up tussling with Karen which is just so goofy. And this this match was like watching a circus and not in a good way. This was not a good defense, a first defense for Phoenix's title reign at all. And it's, I can't put that on Jeff Jarrett. I can't put that on Phoenix. I just put it on booking Jeff Jarrett to be the ringleader and having all the little clowns around the ring get involved every single time. After that, they aired a video of Don Callis and Takeshita in Japan where I could barely hear them, uh, hear Callis at least. But he was looking for Ibushi and then they cut to him and Takeshita in the ring. Don spoke about Sammy Guevara. He brings him out. They rolled footage from Japan of Takeshita, I guess, beating up a student of Ibushi and then beating up Ibushi. And the whole segment went on way too long. Uh, I don't think we needed the whole intro part from Japan. I think they could have just been like, over the weekend, Don Callis was in Japan and with Takeshita, they beat up a student, they beat up a Bushi. Show a quick clip. Don's in the ring laughing about it. Does what he does, etc. Way too long of a clip. Then you go to... Nick Jackson picking up the victory over Brian Cage and Claudio to become the number one contender to the international championship. I said this before, I can't stand when they have people who are in tag teams wrestling for a singles championship opportunity. And the only person in this match who shouldn't have won ends up winning the match. He just won the the ROH six-man titles. Why is he now getting an international championship shot? Why is he also getting an AEW tag team championship shot? Or a number one contender shot? It's so goofy. 
And this was just not a match that I was into at all. The fans were going crazy for it, but which in the long run, I guess that's what matters. But this, I just, I couldn't get into this, especially with Nick Jackson winning. Absolutely not. Earlier in the night, they had MJF and Adam Cole where they went fishing on Long Island last week, I guess, when they were here for, for Grand Slam. They teased MJF hitting Adam Cole with a dynamite diamond ring while they were on the fishing boat. Adam Cole questioned MJF's motives of inviting him fishing. And he said that it's normal to have multiple friends. And just because he has to be there for Roderick Strong doesn't mean that he won't be there for MJF. And I think it's funny that Adam Cole has to teach MJF lessons like that. But then they're fishing. They end up catching something huge. They end up catching the big show dressed as Captain Insano. And then they all drank together on the boat. Uh, So that comedy aspect was funny. But they had an in-ring segment later on where it's announced Adam Cole's got a broken ankle. And he needs surgery, which absolutely, absolutely, absolutely sucks. From that jump off the stage last week, he broke his ankle in three different spots, I believe. So the timetable on that as a uh, an in-ring return, I don't know. I don't think anybody will know. But Adam Cole explained that they need to give up the titles, and MJF said, absolutely not. And because the titles mean so much to Adam Cole, he'll defend them at Wrestle Dream in a handicap match. The Kingdom and Roderick Strong came out, And I thought MJF, because we just had that segment where Adam Cole explained like, oh, it's okay to have multiple friends. I thought MJF was going to ask Roderick Strong, even though he was injured, to be his partner. But that didn't happen. The Kingdom and Adam Cole left together. Jay White then randomly comes out. The Bullet Club Gold were with him, but he he puts them to the back. Goes to the ring. MJF ends up yelling at him about tofu and filet mignon. They went to square up and Jay ends up leaving. This segment went way too long. It was like 20 minutes of literally nothing. And then they have the goddamn nerve to cut to a Jim Ross sit-down interview with Christian and Darby. How do you go from the last segment that was like 20-something minutes to something like this? Everything in this was already known. It was already out there. Everything was set up already. This was so stupid. This was not needed. This was so repetitive. And then to top that off, you cut to the next match with Orange Cassidy. Picking up the victory over Penta, Matt Jackson, and uh, Austin Gunn. So, who doesn't see Orange Cassidy winning? And then the one time Bryce Remsburg decides to actually count wrestlers who are down on the mat, it's a fatal four-way where nobody can win like that or lose like that. After that, Julia Hart picked up the victory over Willow Nightingale. Willow wrestled at first with one eye, basically, due to the, the mist. And I thought that was a good... Good portion of the match. I liked the spot where Julia crawled under the ring and then got behind Willow to like chop her down. I thought that was really well done. Overall, though, this match was too short. 
but I think it's the one that I enjoyed the most from Dynamite this week. And we saw Julia lock Willow in that submission afterwards, and Chris Statlander made the save. She ran Julia off. Julia took off, and she hid behind Brody. And then Statlander, I guess, I don't want to say she got face-to-face with Brody, but it was kind of like, uh -uh uh-uh-uh. And then she had to just stand there. But I would have liked for that match to have been longer. There's no no reason for that 20-minute gimmick with MJF. Not a chance. And then to close this show with a, a Wrestle Dream contract signing for a match that I keep for completely forgetting is a thing. I don't think this match was worthy of a contract signing. In what world? What are they trying to force us with this? Swerve and Hangman go back and forth on the mic. They had a little pull apart. It didn't even like lead to a brawl. It was just pulled apart. And then immediately, there's no time to like let that sink in, let it breathe or anything. They immediately cut to backstage with Retribution attacking Jay White. And one of the people had the MJF devil mask on. So it looks like MJF has a new group and they're beating up Jay White for what Jay White said to MJF in that ridiculous 20-minute segment. Immediately, I'm like, okay, it's clearly not going to be MJF. Who could it be? Maybe it's LFI. And then I saw other people throwing out it's most likely Adam Cole in the MJF mask with the Kingdom, Roderick Strong, and Kyle O'Reilly, perhaps. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I, and I ultimately, I think AEW did a fantastic job at making people not care about the righteous. And instead, caring about a match between MJF and Jay White, which at the time of recording right now, is not a thing. So, how that makes sense, I have no clue. But, I I just thought this was one of the absolute worst episodes of Dynamite. And it's crazy because I saw people say that this was one of the best episodes of Dynamite. I, I just, with that, that whole MJF, Adam Cole, Jay White segment... And then leading into the the Darby Allen and Christian sit-down, there's no possible chance in hell it could be even close to a best episode. But moving over to Wrestle Dream taking place in Seattle, Washington at the Climate Pledge Arena. Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. I'm surprised they didn't do anything on Dynamite for them. I feel like I, I'm I'm assuming Collision they'll air something, but I also feel like if nobody's watching Collision and Rampage, you should probably have that on Dynamite. Like that would be a way better closing segment than Swerve and Hangman. Put that on Collision. But Brian Danielson, Zack Saber Jr. I'm gonna say Brian Danielson wins. I'll probably be wrong, but I'm gonna say he wins. Hangman in Swerve Strickland. I, I feel like it, it's got to be Swerve. I don't have confidence that it's going to be Swerve, but I'm going to stick with 
my pick and say Swerve wins for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. FTR defending against Aussie Open. I think FTR is like no question. And I feel like because this is the anniversary of their last match together, I feel like this match could be one of the most talked about matches. Um, And then for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships, two-on-one handicap match. Of course, anything can change, but at the time of recording right now, MJF versus The Righteous. And I would really like to see MJF retain. I feel like if The Righteous win, I I feel like it'll do them more harm to win. Because of how bad they did setting up this match, how it was an afterthought to Jay White versus MJF. So if that MJF versus Jay White gets added also, maybe the Righteous do pick up the victory and then MJF retains the World Heavyweight Championship. I I don't know. Six-man tag action, Chris Jericho and the Golden Elite taking on the Don Callis family. I, <laughs> I'm going to say the Don Callis family here. I I know you're bringing in Ibushi. Ibushi lost the last match too. So I feel like whatever's best for Takeshita. Two out of three falls match for the AEW TNT Championship. Christian Cage defending the title against Darby Allen. I'm going to say Christian. Please don't hot potato all these titles. We have Eddie Kingston taking on Shibata. Eddie Kingston defending the ROH World Championship and the Strong Openweight Championship. I thought Shibata was going to be defending the Pure Championship, but that's not listed here. I'm going to say Eddie Kingston retains. And this goes back to what what I just said. I don't want these titles to be hot potato. TBS Championship on the line. Chris Statlander defending the title against Julia Hart. If it's not Julia Hart, then I think something very creative has to happen in order for Chris Statlander, Statlander to retain against Someone who's literally undefeated. So. Statlander's been champion for a bit now. I think we could see Julia Hart pick up the title. And I'm going to say Julia Hart. For that number one contendership for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. The Young Bucks taking on the Lucha Brothers. Taking on the Guns. Taking on Orange Cassidy and Hook. This match is written for the Young Bucks. I hope they don't win, but I'm going to say the Young Bucks. And then a singles match, Ricky Starks and Wheeler Yuta. Ricky Starks. And I probably should have started with that match and gone by. <laughs> Worked my way up to Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. So right now, like I said, I, again, I don't know if they're going to add matches. I don't know if they're changing anything, but I, uh, I'll go over that next week. So for now, hey, Brandon. Got any shout outs? A million miles away gets the first shout out. It's out on Amazon Prime now, and it stars Michael Pena as 
Jose M. Hernandez, who was an actual astronaut, and it goes through his whole life story with, I guess, the moral being don't give up on your dreams and keep following them. That's all. I mean, an awesome thing to be putting out there. Yeah, he was one of the astronauts in space in 2004, and he's since now, since then, retired and owns a, a vineyard and a winery. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a, it was a pretty good movie. It's out on Amazon Prime. I would check that out. Another movie that I would definitely recommend on Amazon Prime is Cassandra, which I mentioned a few weeks ago. Now the movie's out on Amazon Prime, and it's based on the Exotico, the Luchador, Cassandra. And I think it's very cool to see Lucha Libre represented like this, especially with, with big names like Gael Garcia, uh, Bernal, and, and Bad Bunny being in this movie. Yeah, I think that's going to be... that's. Really cool. Really awesome. I wish they showed even more from like the start of Cassandra's career, but for the movie it makes sense and a lot of this was starts, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it was in Spanish with subtitles, which I really hate when they like cause I don't want to read a movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought the whole movie was gonna be in English, but if you don't like reading, then it might not be for you. But because it's wrestling related, I, I would a hundred percent recommend it. Mm. And then The Machine gets the last shout-out, which is based on the comedy of Burt Kreischer uh, and a true story that he tells about going on a, a school trip in college, I believe, to I do Russia. question this. I, the The story, this movie is is a, a farce. Yeah. The, the, the story itself is, I believe, 100% true. Where they go to Russia and he ends up robbing his whole class with Russian mobsters on the train. So, which keep in mind, Van Wilder is basically based off of his college career also. Mm-hmm. Like, they had that written as a movie and then somebody that co-wrote the script took it and sold it to National Lampoon without him. This guy? Yeah. Somebody, no way. Yeah, that... He is Van Wilder. It's based on a Rolling Stone article. You could read the Rolling Stone article. I thought Stone that he article. was just like an up-and-comer no. guy that was on that no, 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 TV no. show with Cody Rose, the no, no, talent no, no. show. No, Bert has been doing stand-up for a long time now, but, wow. but they, wrote, have to... they wrote that article about him being uh, that Van huh. Wilder character, basically, before the I'm movie gonna, came out. I'm... I'm going to have to remind me to look that up because I know I'm going to forget, but that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, I, I very much so enjoyed the machine and, uh, Mark Hamill plays Bert's dad in this. So if you like action comedies, then check it out on Netflix. So those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our, That is right, our mark out moment of the week. Got any? Uh, I definitely marked out for Fallen Angels uh, interview. Huh. Chris, Chris's interview with the Major World Order. Um, definitely always mark out for all of our friends is uh, uh, getting out there and doing things. So definitely marked out for that. Loved it. What about you? I thought for sure you were going to say Jade Cargill. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, definitely marked out for Jade Cargill. I mean, she is the uh, my pick as 
women woman wrestler of the female wrestler of the year last year. I believe. I, I do also believe you might have picked her to end this year as champion in AEW. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure if that was named if that was named or not, but I, I probably lost that. Um, but I I really didn't <laughs> mark out much this week. I did watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem, which is on Paramount Plus now, and John Cena plays Rocksteady. So I thought that was cool, although Rocksteady barely has any lines. Mm-hmm. And I thought based on Twitter that it was going to like absolutely suck, but I don't think it was so bad. And it just seemed like a millennial tried to make a Gen Z movie, but with like millennial references, which basically yeah, that's, never... that's basically what it is. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg were two mm-hmm. of the writers, so it makes sense. And uh, in addition yeah. to John Cena, the cast, I think, is pretty stacked. Like, Maya Rudolph, Ice Cube, Post Malone, Jackie Chan is in it. So many more. And I think it, it sets up a sequel. So, obviously, Super Shredder wouldn't be in the sequel, but Shredder is probably going to be in it. And I Imagine think it would Kevin be cool. Nash does the voice. Well, uh, Kevin Nash 100% wouldn't be doing the voice of Shredder. <laughs> but I think it would be cool since he was super Shredder in The Secret of the Ooze that he could be like somebody associated with Shredder. Yeah, I'd mark I mean, I'd mark for that. I think that would be cool. But yeah. that's really but, yeah. what I marked out over. This is not a mark out moment of the week, but Heels on Stars was unfortunately canceled. And I think that absolutely sucks. And I hope people still go watch it. Maybe it'll get picked up somewhere else. And I know that's like highly doubtful, but cancel stars was trending on Twitter after they announced a bunch of shows were being canceled. I don't think it was because of heels. It was most likely other shows that stars also canceled, but Mm -hmm. it was just such a good show. It it ended on a cliffhanger. So it sucks that we're not going to get more of that. It was a fantastic show, so keep yeah. watching Stars, even though it was canceled. But like I said, that was really the markout moment of the week, and that is episode 660. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at MarkinOut, at BTTG161 on on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Chris Sweendog, CM Sweeney85, David PTDPT. Facebook.com slash marking out YouTube and Instagram is marking out 11 at marking out on TikTok, pro wrestling tees.com slash marking out Apple podcasts, Amazon podcast, Spotify podcast, marking Google Podcasts for now that's ending in 2024, unfortunately, but for now we wish you the, the, Best of luck in your your future future endeavors. endeavors. Have a fantastic week.